and thank you so much for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. Today's episode is with Nia Tahani, and she talks to us about early memories of standing out, how she made her way to Oakland, California from the East Coast, and her journey with vintage jewelry. Hope you enjoy. Stable Connections is sponsored by Horse on the Loose. Horse on the Loose is a Los Angeles-based equestrian brand featuring accessories for the stylish equestrian. All of their artwork is created by sisters Andra and Roxana, who are passionate about all things equestrian. Find designs with a modern aesthetic on their Made in America throw blankets, belts, hats, and riding socks. Visit www.horseontheloose.com to see what they have to offer. Stable Connections is sponsored by Healthy Horse CBD. Is your horse stiff, anxious, or in pain? Healthy Horse CBD can help with all of these and so much more. Healthy Horse CBD can also help your horse with arthritis or while rehabbing. Two strengths are available and works with all mammals. Apply on the lower lip daily for best results. Visit healthyhorse.co and use discount code capital S capital C two zero to receive 20% off your next purchase. How horses came into your life? Wow. I just, I never remember when they weren't in my life, to be honest. Um, I remember the first time I got on a horse at age four, Shorty and Marshmallow. I remember Mm. their names. My dad would take us all over Maryland and Virginia, the DMV, just on sort of nature explorations. And we just showed up at this farm one day and that was kind of like the beginning of the end. But I'd say that horses came in to my life through an ancestor, a now ancestor, who is my great-grandmother, Louise French. Um, She grew up in Mexico and I didn't really know her until she was already sort of in the throes of dementia and Alzheimer's. But a few things she would talk about would be the horses, and she had uh, paintings all over her room of like beautiful, as she called them, or my grandmother, her daughter would call them Spanish girls, um, matadors, and of course horses. So we'd say, Grandma, Grandma, you know, tell us about the horses. And she called the pretty horse. You know, she'd start rocking back and forth and just getting so excited. So didn't have a choice. <laughs> well, <laughs> if that's like, like the main thing she remembered and got excited about, then of course you want to bring yeah. that up in those moments. Yes, yes, no, absolutely. And then just stories from my other elders telling me about how much she, you know, loved them and would talk about them. It was one of the few things that she spoke about from her childhood in Mexico because it was just such a hard upbringing, so, yeah. Yeah, and so did you grow up in, you said Maryland and? Mm. So, born in D.C., I say born and raised in D.C., but I also lived in Maryland. I like to make that distinction. You can't say D.C. if you're not actually from there. (laughs) Just people from there say that? Yeah, you'll get a lot of, oh, D.C., but then they'll say Bethesda. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I can't. <laughs> I just, no, no, no. Yeah. Chocolate City proper. It's called Chocolate City proper. It's one of the nicknames of D.C. because oh. of the high population of black people. Oh, interesting. I've at, never heard at that. One, at one point, I don't think it's still that way. Okay. <laughs> don't quote me on any of this. But. Do you have Mexican heritage as well? Yes. Cool. Yes, yes. yep, through... Uh, great grandma from Sonora. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So 
tell me about when horses were kind of structured in your life, when you started maybe taking specific lessons or anything like that. I was eight years old, and my dad, again, on one of our, you know, weekend warrior nature expeditions, we went up to Rock Creek Park, which is this big park. Is it in the center of D.C.? It sure, it sure felt like that to me because I spent so many hours there. So the local stable there is where I started not lessons, but actually as a camp assistant, not really knowing oh. anything about horses. Okay. So talk about baptism by fire is like a worker at age eight. <laughs> it was just, you know, figure it out. out, figure it out, figure it out. So that's kind of how the structure began. Do you and remember if you had mm-hmm. like fear involved with that or if it was just like this is so cool I get to be around horses I was just really happy to be there I really never really had a fear definitely not of horses and not really of people you know so I was game and my dad was like well let's see if she really likes this and then if you're committed, that's the money in it. Like, yep. I'm like, Dad, couldn't you just got me lessons first? But no, I wouldn't have done it any other way. This was very, it was very character building, having basically like a full time job, <laughs> about forty plus hours a week as a kid. Figuring out in the hustle. Mm-hmm. And so then, did you start taking lessons there eventually? I did. Cool. I did. So they had the other counselors in training, camp assistants give me lessons once a week. That was kind of like my my payment. And then eventually there was an older black cowboy there who took me under his wing. He was just like, okay, we need need to craft you and mold you. Why do you think Um, he chose you? Because we're both black. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that has definitely something to do with it. Not that he didn't also take other riders under his, young riders under his wing as well. But I think, I think he saw promise in me. He saw that I was committed. I was out there every day from 8.30 to sometimes past five, like depending on like post-camp duties and riding. I, I really appreciate it. You taught me so much. Yeah, and, and I know, at least in this community, it's not that common to have the black community in the horse world. And so was it similar there as well? Hmm, you know, I'd say so. I mean, just based on numbers. But it's funny because, you know, that barn was managed by a black dressage trainer cool. and uh, his daughter. And I can recall, you know, at least four black boarders. Granted, you know, it was a big old barn. But, you know, to me, I felt like, oh, okay, this is a DC barn. Cool. Yeah. Did you feel the sense of like standing out? in that way? Oh, yes, no, for, sh- for sure, for sure. It was like made very apparent just on, you know, the murmurings and gossip around the barn. And you'd be like, well, they're doing the same thing, but they're not being talked about. And it was some stuff, let me, let me, let me tell you. And I also just from a young age had an awareness of just history and social justice issues and racism, like it, it just, Especially growing up in D.C., right. the, you know, the daughter of educators, there was really no way around it. So I think that helped to fortify me when I came into that experience and, you know, got to, got to hear and see some things firsthand. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel like you handled those moments? Focused. I was just focused on the horses. Like, really, I... <laughs> 
you know, as, as sensitive a person that I, I was and am, I was just more in tune with why I wanted to be there. And it was for the horses. I loved it. Yeah, had yeah. nothing to do with white or black or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, not at all. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna work hard and I'm gonna just do my best and I'm just gonna follow, you know, just follow my dream, which at the time was to ride for the United States equestrian team mm. as a show jumper. How did that come into your forefront? Oh goodness. Um I, I had I had have somewhat of a competitive nature. You know, I liked competition, I liked physicality, um, you know, I prided myself on being, you know, fast and flexible, you know, in addition to, you know, some other qualities, you know, that my parents really helped to fortify me with. So, yeah, I was like, wow. And plus, you know, just kind of an adrenaline junkie. It was probably my youthful ADHD coming out then. <laughs> I was just ready for it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah. And so did you, you started with writing English, I'm guessing? Well, yes. So even though I was really first trained by a black cowboy, um, you know, horsemanship is horsemanship. And, you know, he knew the game. He knew what I wanted to do. And the barn was mostly an English barn. So, yeah, trained in, you know, balance seat, you know, call on seat reputation. And did you show it all as a kid? I did. So at the barn, there was a show team. I don't know if this was like a DMV thing, but I imagine that you know a lot of barns with a lot of youth have a little team of riders going around, and so you know we had tryouts and everything. Those were some of my first away shows, and then of course the barn had schooling shows. And uh, the first schooling show I ever entered, you know Charlie helped me you know fill out my my entry forms, and they were denied. They said you're not good enough to ride in these classes. And so Charlie was like, well, you know, she is. Actually, that's why we, you know, put these down. They, they said, nope. And Charlie, uh, I don't know whether he, it was his idea for me to be evaluated by the director of the writing program, but that's what happened. I was evaluated by the, the director of the writing program. Um, walk truck canner over fences. Had a nice little group of uh, CITs, counselors in training, you know, looking on and murmuring and laughing. But at the end of that evaluation, um, I was deemed a good enough writer to enter the classes that I originally entered into. Cool. And I got a reserve champion. Sounds like he was a good advocate for you. Yeah, yeah, he really, he really was. Yeah. He really was. Wherever, wherever you are. Wherever he is. No <laughs> communication still? No, no. It was so long ago. You know, I've since tried to look him up. He used to be the ball guy for the Washington Redskins. So mm. it was kind of fun, like, seeing him on the sidelines from home and then, like, going to the barn. And, yeah, just an incredible person, Charlie Saunders. Never forget him. Ah, cool. Mm -hmm. So there's probably a lot of story between, but you are now on the West Coast. So yes. what else within your trajectory has kind of made you who you are? I would say, just in general, it's my joie de vivre. No, I really, I, I like to, I value fun. I like to have fun. And I'm kind of up for, like, adventure and just new experiences. You know, making that move from East Coast to the West Coast, what was it, 17 years ago now, 
I don't know if I could do it now as like a scared grown-up. <laughs> <laughs> we get a little more fearful when we more, get older. More to lose, you yeah. Know? But back then, I'm really, really glad that I did, and it's just kept me open to you know different opportunities, people, experiences. And so that has really filtered throughout my life, my equestrian life, you know, my non-equestrian professional life, you know, relationships, all that stuff. Yeah. Was there anything specific that brought you to California? Everyone said that I would not like L.A. because that's kind of what I had my sights on. Why did you want to go to L.A.? It seemed like just a better pace. You know, I was living in New York at the time, working in luxury goods and fashion, PR, Talk about a rat race. You know, New York, I love you, but I could never live there again. I'm glad I did it in my 20s. You know, on the West Coast, it's the weather's fantastic, of course, and, you know, just the ability to hop in your car and a few minutes up the road, you're like in the hills somewhere. That was part of it. And then I had a friend out here too. She had just moved. But yeah, just kind of, again, like sense of adventure, wanting like a different quality of life and knowing that I couldn't really get that at least staying in New York, where you were. which to me yeah. at the time was like, where else could I go? Like, it's the best year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you said 17 years ago you moved here. How did you find your landing spot and yeah. that sort of thing? Landed in L.A. first. Oh, you did go to L.A. even with LA everyone first. saying you didn't think? Yep, yep, yep. I loved it. I didn't want to even leave. L.A. was fantastic. I found a great group of friends. I immediately started in PR, worked for some agencies, and then went out on my own, still representing like fashion and, and, and jewelry and fine jewelry clients. And I found a horse community there that I really liked. First, I was at L.A. Equestrian Center. Then I went on to the Paddock Riding Club and just started doing a lot of catch riding for the trainers there, in addition to leasing and riding with my trainer, Linda Green. And you did not have yeah. your own horse, it's, I'm guessing. I've never had my own horse. I really wanted one. Uh, wrote all kind of letters to my parents and, <laughs> you know, uh, financial plans and things like that. But never had my own horse. I've only ever leased catch rides, like, I guess they call it sponsor out mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. I don't really want one now. It's funny. I mean, I, I kind of have, have That fear access. as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. I'm like, okay, wait a second. Yeah. Like, waking up in the middle of the night. Are they okay? You know, yep. like... Yep. I'm sure I would be like that. Do you feel like the feelings you used to have about standing out were continued in LA in terms of being black? No, especially by, you know, that time in my mid-twenties, I was just committed to it, you know, took a break in New York horse. Probably not many horses in New York. Right. I pretty much went on my once a year rides around part of Central Park. One time like schlepped my saddle and all the things up to Riverdale in the Bronx on like a 90 degree day. I'm like, okay, listen, there's going to be a time for horses again. And that time is when I moved to LA. And it was really just fantastic. In fact, by the time that I left, it was kind of harder to leave because I felt like I just kind of more comfortable in that community. You know, it's not like I was kind of going around thinking, you know, I'm so different. I just know that I am, and I know that I stand out, but I also know that I stand out for, you know, other positive reasons as well. So I'm here. Take it or leave it. And so what brought you more north? That happened at some point. Yes, yes, no, it did, it did. So I had my eyes on the north. 
And, um, you know, I visited the Bay Area, loved it, thought maybe this was more of my vibe. I don't know. I'm adaptable. So I moved up here, actually, in a past relationship. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, this relationship is not going to go the long term, but I'm really glad that it's getting me up here. And so I started working for Antares, like, shortly after I moved up here. The saddle company, right? Mm -hmm, okay. Mm -hmm. Or they do more than saddles, I guess. Right, with helmets and, and yep. all the strap goods. Yeah, it was Terry, who was one of the founders, who brought me on. And, you know, that was a really fun sort of experience. We met down at the Oaks. You know, I told him, listen, I want to work for your brand, okay? Like, you know, I have these skills in PR and marketing. And so I started in sales, which is kind of funny because I'm not like a sales person, really. So sales and promotions for Northern California, just kind of helping to sort of regain a few clients and represent them at some horse shows. Sonoma Horse Park was just getting started up and Taurus was a big sponsor. So that was like a huge part of my Bay Area experience for the first first three years that I was here. Okay. Yeah. And that was your first time combining work with horses, it sounds like, other that, than the catch riding. Yeah, yeah, no, that was. As far as getting you know, paid to do something horsey, that was, that was really fun. And I think it was probably at that point where I was a little bit more aware of looking different, you know, of, of being one of the only black people at the horse show or at the barn. I think a lot of it was because I knew that my sales performance and my livelihood could depend on it, and it made me just a little, just a little more aware, I guess, you know. And also, just you know, being kind of new on the job, not knowing the territory—it's it's an insecure thing in the yeah. beginning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Different clientele than the Southern California area—it's just, it's just a little different. So, where mm -hmm. in NorCal did you land specifically? I'm just gonna say Oakland, even though it was Cupertino when I first moved here. It's like Cupertino just for like I don't two, three months. Where is, where is that? where Apple is. Oh, so like San, more closer to like South Bay? Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. So that was just like, okay, let's, you know, get into the um, area you know, kind of housing and yep. have a base to, you know, search for more permanent housing. You know, within the year I was in Oakland. Okay, and mm -hmm. have you been in Oakland since? Yes. And how do you like it? Oakland. Do you? Yeah, no, it's like, it kind of feels like back home a little bit, even though I haven't been living in D.C. since I was 16. I don't know, there's just like, I, I love the the multiculturalism of it, just like the culture in general, the, the culinary, like there's some you know, really fantastic attractions here, of course, that are just steeped in so much history. And there's a horse community here. Not that I'm surprised, because I know it, it's everywhere. Like, it's just only horse people know it's there. But there's a great horse community, community here as well, which I'm just kind of getting to know since the pandemic, really. So. Yeah. So how long ago was that that you moved to this area? 13 years ago. And so you said it's it was the pandemic that got you kind of into the horse community. Tell me about that. Yes. So, before the pandemic, I was an event producer. I still am, but I worked full-time. And then the pandemic came along and there were no events. Correct. And so I literally just <laughs> took to the hills. I was leasing this cute little Connemara Azteca cross. Just for fun? Just for fun. And just riding all around Las Trampas, just me and my dog on the trails. It was excellent. And I was also using that to, you know, newfound time 
due to the pandemic to you know help certain nonprofits, and that's how I got to MHA. Rachel Royce was like, "Hey, we could really use somebody with your background and skills." What is MHA? Will you join us? Ah, yes, the Metropolitan Horsemen's Association. Been in Oakland since 1938, and it's all about um, advocating for equestrians from you know facility use to you know horsemanship education. That entry level equestrianism, just you know, providing access to horses,、uh, largely through supporting other nonprofits like We Ride Too. So yeah, Rachel asked me, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> But then I decided that it was something that I should do. Like a sense of a sense of duty sort of settled on me, and I said, okay, I got this. Might as well try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.、Mm-hmm. And so you've been doing that. Yes. And what's your favorite thing about it? Probably shouldn't say this, because <laughs>、uh, then they're going to be like, and you're going to do it every year. So it is coming up as our third year. Of our fall hunter jumper schooling show, which is also the Gold Cup show, the MHA tradition, and we've added like a Halloween element. And、mm-hmm. I just I love in person, like I love bringing together the community for something you know fun and yet challenging, and you can get creative. And so it's that's one of my favorite things about MHA, which are it, it's the in person, you know, Cavaletti Sundays. Hey y'all! It's free riding lessons. Like you know, the clinics—they just did a, a sensory and obstacles clinic up at City Stables, and then of course the horses. So yeah, I love I love that. Yeah, we're <laughs> getting to do your events again.、Mm, yes, yes, yes. No, it's a good thing. Do they choose so with MHA? Do they choose different facilities to kind of host、mm. the different events? Yeah, so that had to happen particularly this year because of the storms. We had a bunch of downed trees and broken fences and a squashed porta potty. So Sequoia Arena, oh, it broke ground in the fifties. I mean, there were hundreds of horse people in the hills back in the day,、mm-hmm. right? There's a there's a really deep history of, of horsemanship and horse people in Oakland. Not just the black cowboys,、um, but you know English riding up in the hills here. And so there used to be a lot more horse shows, a lot more horses. But Sequoia Arena is the land in Joaquin Miller Park that MHA is the steward of. Clubhouse is right across the road, down the street from Chabot. Space and Science Center. So yeah, it's beautiful. Love doing events there. But in addition, so when <laughs> to get back to it, when the arena was not usable, we did some clinics up at the Walnut Creek Equestrian Center, our Cavaletti Sundays at Hosmore, and then I think that there's been one at City Stables too, a Cavaletti Sunday. Cool. Don't quote me. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Awesome. What else、mm. within your trajectory do you kind of want to bring up and talk? I have a lot of interests, but I would say, and I don't want to say that one is more than the other. So we have horses over here, and then we also have estate fund jewelry over right in this lane. <laughs> and sometimes they combine, and it's a beautiful thing. But I first got sort of my taste for the decorative arts through just watching my grandmother Ash. I mean, she would be. Decked and her beautiful, you know, gold chains and Nefertiti pendant and her bangles and I would just look at her like the glittering queen that she was, 
And, you know, through her gifts of, you know, earrings and watches and pendants, that's kind of where I was first like, oh, this is, this is kind of nice. I'm just drawn to it, you know, sparkly, beautiful things. So, you know, I had the career in PR and fine jewelry, and then I started collecting estate jewelry. Vintage, 70 years, up through 100-plus-year-old jewelry. And so I collect it, and I sell it. And my husband and I are now making jewelry as well, inspired by vintage and antique designs. So do you go to estate sales or how does that work? Funny thing, I've never purchased anything at an estate sale. Auctions, yes, from other sellers and dealers. And of course, like, you know, I'm if there's an antique shop in town and we're traveling somewhere, I'm going to find it. <laughs> yeah. going to spend lots of time in there, so you might as well just drop me off. But yeah, never, never like an estate sale. Of course, auctions are populated by also them. by estates. <laughs> yes. Right, but, but you haven't like gone to a house where oh, they, all yeah. they do is let you in and you go wander kind of thing. Yeah, not, not for jewelry. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Cool. Do you guys have an actual shop or is it all kind of at your house and then you post videos and photos? It's all online. You know, um, I do a lot through my Instagram account, just direct. And so, you know, we're still a budding sort of mom and pop. And so eventually we do hope to have a website or if I can get back into the old website that I started seven <laughs> years ago, that would be nice. But oh. if not, just, you know, build a new one, um, especially for the, you know, e-commerce part of things. But yeah. yeah, a lot of it happens on Instagram at the gem floor. And that's what it's called. How do you spell that for people that might want to look it up? Uh, so the handle is at G-E-M-C-O-R-P-S. And why did you call it that? Kind of like borrowing a little bit from Peace Corps and Marine Corps. Mm. Um, I like the idea of a collective, which is basically the world, you know, reveling in fine jewelry. And the definition of a core is a body of people doing something together. And Gem had a better ring to it than the jewelry or the jewel core to me. And I started out as a rock hound. You know, my dad got me a rock collection and I, you know, study, you know, where all the different rocks come from, you know, in the strata of the earth. And just, I like rocks and crystals. So the gem core just has been a thing since 2015. That's cool. And so you said you have a husband. Mm -hmm. When did you guys meet? We met in school. <laughs> so you did, did you go to college? Oh Lord, this sounds like I went to school for a husband. <laughs> so went to Penn, University of Pennsylvania at 16. Oh, that's um, early. Yeah, I, I, I started school early and I, I skipped a grade. Happy for it all, but yeah, that, that I may have done a little bit differently. And so I met Leroy my second year. Mm -hmm. And so he did some traveling with you. It's funny because we were pretty tight in college and then we just lost touch. Mm. And it's funny though because we lived in pretty much the same cities at the same time. And we didn't reconnect until... 2012 by Facebook and at that point we'd had like a near miss when we were both living in, in LA and How we just decided that we wouldn't you know let another chance pass up to like be together yeah and so he moved out here in 2013 we were engaged you know maybe seven months later got married the next year that's awesome and did you guys have a big wedding it was small. I think, I don't know what that wedding. Maybe like 75? Cool. And yeah. that was out here? Yeah, it cool. was. It was in um, Hunsker Canyon in Lafayette. It was gorgeous. We just rented a house on the hill and 
just did it our way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how it should be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do you have any goals now with horses? I just want to keep doing it. You know, I'm happier when I'm riding. And I mean, I started teaching here at Kenilworth almost a year ago. And I'm really happy teaching too. I did some teaching before when I was an older teen and became a full-fledged camp counselor and had my own camp group for like, what did we do, like three weeks and then horse show and repeat for the whole summer. And that was fantastic, but I really enjoyed the teaching part of it. Goals for riding, let's say. Hmm, I love to jump. (laughs) That's just, again, like sort of the adrenaline junkie in me. And I'd love to get back to showing, I suppose. And just continuing to sort of help the community in any way that I can, just especially to help expose people, especially, you know, people from underserved communities, um, people of color, children of color, to horses, because they've really kept me on, I think, a really good path in my life, and it brought me so much joy. With MHA, are there any goals with that changes that you're hoping yes no 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 of course thank you thank you for asking that you know i think a lot of a lot of clubs equestrian clubs have closed and rachel royce in particular the president of mha she has fought really hard with you know a, a very small board to just keep the club alive you know through the pandemic even even now it's always work and so i would like to see and i feel like we are starting to see fruits of those labor just with people wanting to be more engaged you know we have new board members who've joined which is fantastic some wonderful you know fresh new ideas and perspectives and goals for the club and you know we kind of took hit with the storms but you know just bring the shows back and we're seeing people who are more interested in in volunteering and helping and so that's that's really, really exciting. You know, I would like to see us do even more work, you know, for and within the community, getting folks, you know, up to Sequoia Arena, even if it's just to, you know, be our guest and come and watch the show for the day. And mm-hmm. then, you know, we can get you to speak with some local trainers who have some, you know, um, openings in their lesson programs. So I would, I would like to see that for us. It's just about bandwidth. <laughs> it's always mm-hmm. about bandwidth, right? But the desire is definitely there. And just more, more, activity from our local trainers we know they have their hands full yeah and we so appreciate the ones who you know show up to the events share our instagram which i manage and i know i really want to do a better more consistent job at it but at least when it's event time you will see posts from mha awesome well let's go into the question so what is something within the community that you want to see evolve or change and then how can you help with that if you're not already Hmm. Well, I do think that I'm helping with it already. And, you know, we've been really discussing it. You know, I want to see better access to horses, more outreach. Because, again, a lot of folks don't even know that we're up here. I'd like to see somehow even more involvement from the city of Oakland, even though I think they do a great job with parks and rec. And so that's just going to take sort of more effort, I think, with MHA as well. So just, you know, more people in equestrianism here. You know, let's break down some of these elitist barriers. Um, I know not everyone can just go and show, you know, $500,000 hunters, but there's so many aspects to 
equestrianism. It's, as you know, it's not even fun. There's so many ways to be involved. There's so many things that you can do with it. And so, you know, I would just like to see just more of that. <laughs> yeah, and you're doing that with MHA and even with teaching at Kenilworth. That's even right. another way to do right. it. I'm not oblivious to the fact that Bijois, you know, myself, Taylor, Camille, you know, we're just a handful of black trainers in the Bay Area here. And so I would eventually like to see someone who's come in as a child then, you know, maybe 15, 20 years from now say, hey, I was a trainer because I saw Fijua out there or Mia out there doing it or riding. And, you know, we're here to support. Like, that's what I'm here for. If you, if you have any questions, if you need me help, not only as a board member of MHA, just as, as me, I'm, I'm, I'm here to, to help. How would someone contact you? Oh, um, you can slip right into my DMs if you'd like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the best way to reach out would be like through my Instagram, through my email, through this podcast. Certainly, if someone were to contact you. Cool. Would, what is your email? N I A T A H A N I at me dot com. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then lastly, you get to ask me one question. Ooh, yes, 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 yes. That's right. That's right. How about maybe the first question that you asked me, which was, how'd you get into horses? Why horses even? Yeah, so my family, I grew up in LA. We moved from kind of suburbia to a two acre ranch in Chatsworth, California. My mom, I believe, always wanted horses and animals. And so we got the ranch and started accumulating. We had horses. We had chickens, we had a llama, we had a goat, we had mini pony, we had sheep at one time, we had pheasants, like literally all the things. It's my childhood heaven. Yeah, it was lovely. <laughs> we had like, you know, half, we had one acre for like the farm animals, and then we had yeah. the other acre for like the dogs, the garden, the house, the pool, the blah, blah, blah. It was perfect. Oh, so. that sounds fantastic. Yeah, so yeah. inevitably it, my mom was the one that kind of influenced it and then I started riding I think we moved there when I was like seven started riding seven or eight was in the hunter jumper world until around 13 I think 14 yeah and then took a big break and then came back right so awesome when did you come back 11 years later okay I was in Portland Oregon and Uh I was working in a warehouse Mm -hmm. as a manager for a subscription box company a friend's company and Mm -hmm. I was like I want to be around horses again okay and went to the local barn and started with the summer camp. Oh, all right. And then I started teaching oh. beginner lessons. <gasps> okay, this is where, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. share some yes. experiences here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I did lessons for like two years, but it's not my thing. Mm, I hear you. It was, <laughs> it was enjoyable, but yeah. two yeah. years was enough for yeah. me. So, awesome. Well, thank you for chatting with me. Thank you so much, Anna. Appreciate it. Hello again, and thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Stable Connections, the podcast. This is your host, Shauna Burke, and if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, don't forget to tune in every Monday morning for a new episode. Follow us on Facebook and on Instagram. It always helps to leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on Facebook. And if you or someone you know wants to sponsor an episode, please visit www.stableconnectionsthepodcast.com. See you next week. Stable Connections is sponsored by Horse on the Loose. 
Horse on the Loose is a Los Angeles-based equestrian brand featuring accessories for the stylish equestrian. All of their artwork is created by sisters Andra and Roxana, who are passionate about all things equestrian. Find designs with a modern aesthetic on their Made in America throw blankets, belts, hats, and riding socks. Visit www.horseontheloose.com to see what they have to offer. Stable Connections is sponsored by Healthy Horse CBD. Is your horse stiff, anxious, or in pain? Healthy Horse CBD can help with all of these and so much more. Healthy Horse CBD can also help your horse with arthritis or while rehabbing. Two strengths are available and works with all mammals. Apply on the lower lip daily for best results. Visit healthyhorse.co and use discount code capital S capital C 20 to receive 20% off your next purchase.